Hey everyone, welcome to Share Your Sparkle and I'm your host, Dr. Darlene Berrios and this is episode 23, Magnets, Mirrors, and Magic. Hey everyone, I don't know where you are in the world, but it's Tuesday, February 16th. It's Mardi Gras, uh, happy Fat Tuesday. Um, I'd figure it, I'm, I'm sure Mardi Gras looks very different today than it has historically, <laughs> but I'd figure I'd just start off with a little bit about um, Mardi Gras and what it actually means. So this is from CNN and an article they have here, Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. It's also called Shrove Tuesday, Carnival Tuesday, or Pancake Tuesday, depending on where the celebration is taking place. And for those of you who celebrate um, in the Catholic tradition, this day is the day right before Ash Wednesday. So tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. Can you believe it? Um, and it's a time when people literally just indulge and or I think they've taken it a little bit too far and overindulged in food and drink and celebration because tomorrow will mark a day or 40 days of some sort of, um, in the Catholic tradition, sacrifice, right? Where you um, stop, or I don't know, some people stop. I mean, you typically think of stopping something like people will stop eating chocolates or stop swearing. I don't know, whatever you decide for you. Um, but it marks the day before Ash Wednesday. And celebrations have happened throughout the world. I'm sure today it looks very different. But um, this actually has a history dating back. So we're going to go way back um, to... <laughs> wow, I'm trying to think here. Back to the Romans. Um, according to historians, festivities resembling Mardi Gras go back thousands of years to ancient Rome festivals celebrating the harvest season. So after Christianity arrived in Rome, old traditions were incorporated into the new faith and debauchery became a prelude to the Lenten season. So basically, they drank their faces off. <laughs> this fusion resulted in a hedonistic period of boozing, masquerading and dancing with a heavy dose of religion that sounds like a very interesting sentence doesn't it um as christianity spread throughout europe so did the pre-lenten festivities and along the way new traditions were born and some old ones took on new incarnations one of those roman traditions became the sweet staple of new orleans or new orleans mardi gras known as the king cake so during Santanalia, I remember remember I mentioned that during um, the winter solstice, a winter solstice celebration of Saturn, the god of agriculture, beans were baked into cakes. Bean! My puppy. To celebrate the harvest. Whoever found the bean was named king of the day. In the Middle Ages, Christianity appropriated the tradition for the festival of the Epiphany, also known as Three Kings Day. Remember that? And also known as Twelfth Night, Three Kings Day marks the start of the carnival season. Each year on January 6th, it commemorates the visit of the three kings, or wise men, um, to the Christ child on the twelfth night after his birth for celebration, gifts, and feasting. Now, this, you know, Christians in Spain, Latin America, and the United States mark the occasion with parades, gifts, and family feasts. Um, 
So we're going on here. Shrove Tuesday is basically the same thing. Along the way, Shrove Tuesday emerged as the last day of Shrovetide, the week preceding the start of Lent. The word Shrovetide is the English equivalent of carnival, which comes from the Latin words carnum, levare, meaning to take away the flesh. To shrive means to hear confessions, according to the Catholic theologian, Father William P. Sanders. So to prepare for Lent, Christians prepared, um, I'm sorry, while this was seen as the last chance for merriment and unfortunately in some places as adult resulted in excessive pleasure, Shrovetide was the time to cast off things of the flesh and to prepare spiritually for Lent. So this is, you know, in the religious sense, what you're supposed to be doing, casting off things of the flesh and preparing for Lent. I think it's funny that the day before you like, um, prepare yourself spiritually, you just like overindulge. (laughs) To prepare for Lent, Christians prepared pancakes to deplete their stock of eggs, milk, butter, and fat, giving rise to Pancake Day in England. And as the tradition spread, spread through Europe, it became Mardi Gras in France, where waffles and crepes are prepared as part of a lavish feast. So to my French friend, um, Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. And then the, the history behind um, Mardi Gras, specifically in New Orleans, has to do with, in the 1700s, French um, individuals who came over and brought that tradition with them. So <clears throat> the first recorded Mardi Gras parade in New Orleans is believed to have to um, have held or was held in 1837. So Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. I don't know if you celebrate Lent, but um, if you're preparing to celebrate Lent, I would say instead of like stopping yourself from doing something, I would say try something. You know, instead of stopping yourself from eating chocolate, I would say try to go for a walk 15 minutes a day. I don't know. That's just my take on that. So if you're planning on doing something tomorrow and starting for the next 40 days, um, instead of stopping, try something. Okay. Magnets, mirrors, and magic. It does take time to think about what message I want to share. And I think I'm just going to throw these different topics out into the universe and you make of it what you'd like. But one of the things I thought about, and I kind of referred to this last time in one of the episodes related to a compass, but I'm going to go specifically into magnets and magnetism and talk about that for a little bit. I'm also going to talk about mirrors and I'll tell you my inspiration from mirrors came from reading Harry Potter the first book Sorcerer's Stone and then I think I'll tie it all together with that last word magic all right so magnets and this is just from some website here about like helping kids understand magnets because when I try to explain things it's always good to google magnets explain to kids (laughs) It's such an interesting phenomenon, right, that exists in our world. 
we have um, this thing called magnetism, right, which gives something the ability to attract objects, you know, made of iron or steel. But you can also make something magnetic, right, electromagnetism, which is also really interesting. Um, the earth itself is a huge magnet. That's why the compass works, because it points it points towards the North Pole. Um, they behave like electric charges, and the poles are opposite kinds. Um, poles of opposite kinds attract each other, while poles of the same kind repel. You know, it's really interesting. So if you've ever played with magnets before, you and you put the sides, the opposite sides together, it's like, whoosh, they just, boom go right together click and then if you try to do um the same side how funny it's like i mean depending on how strong it is it's kind of hard to put them together but um michael faraday in the early 19th century he was able to have us visualize or see that every magnet is surrounded by an invisible three-dimensional magnet field. So this field around it, right, that we can't see. But what he did was sprinkled particles of iron around the magnets to reveal what he called lines of force, stretching from one pole to another. <clears throat> and these helped him to explain many magnetic effects, um, which I think is really interesting, right? We didn't see that before with our eyes, but by adding the iron, we were able to see what the magnets were doing. And if I would Google it, just the image of it is really cool. It's really neat. Um, electromagnets are made from wire carrying a current. So you could literally put, depending on the object, put a wire around it and turn the light on and make something magnetic. Um, anything with a motor, you know, that's, that's, has um, electro or it's electromagnetic. When the current is switched on, it creates strong magnetism. And in some cases, you know, like picking up steel, the junkyard, letting, shutting it off, dropping it. Like some, in some cases, you can make something electromagnetic something that wasn't magnetic before by adding electricity to it. So I'm giving a simplified version of this. But then I thought about our bodies, okay, and how maybe physically and spiritually that might happen. Like physically, we actually have iron in our bodies. <laughs> we have elements, right, that are out in the world that make us who we are and that are really important. Um, and for us as human beings, iron is an essential mineral and it helps your body carry oxygen, you know, <clears throat> to your organs and to your muscles and to your brain so that it can function properly. Right here um, from WebMD, Iron is an important component of hemoglobin, globin, so part of your blood, right? The substance in red blood cells 
that carries oxygen from your lungs to transport it throughout your body. Hemoglobin represents about two-thirds of the body's iron. If you don't have enough iron, your body can't make enough healthy oxygen-carrying red blood cells. And you can do things to improve that, you know, eating um, foods rich in iron, whether it's meats, fish, vegetables. And I'm actually bringing up the iron um, part of this talk because last week, remember when I had to turn around from going wherever I was going and then I ended up getting a dog? My my iron count was really low. Now, I feel fine. I'm okay. But to the point where sometimes if your iron is too low, um, it could indicate there's some serious problems or, um, you know, you might need like a blood transfusion um, so they replenish the iron that you need from some other source. But there are ways that you can do this on your own with supplements and food and so forth, as long as your body is functioning the way it should be. So that's kind of really interesting. So we have magnets, we have iron, right, which is found in the world, but it's also found in us. And how does that, whether I'm not necessarily saying physically, but spiritually, how do we use that information, right? What do we attract or repel, right? Because a magnet works in both ways. It can either attract or repel situations in our life. How do we do that? And are we being the best magnet (laughs) with enough iron in our system to attract that which we desire or that which is for our highest good? Or do we not have enough iron (laughs) and are therefore not being such a great magnet for whatever it is that needs to come our way? It's kind of interesting. Um, So those are my thoughts about that. Think of it whatever you wish. And then a mirror. So let me, my, um, not my family. Yeah, my family, but my nieces and nephews ranging in age from six, no, 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 one, even though the one-year-old doesn't have a book, to 13, um, in Texas and here in Connecticut, We've been having a Harry Potter book club for the past, I would say, couple weeks. And I offered just to read book one. And I sent them all a book. Well, except for the one-year-old. And we got to the part in Harry Potter where he, with his invisibility cloak, or his cloak of invisibility, has to run away from someone. And then ends up finding the mirror of Erised. And I've been saying that so wrong, but I, I watched the scene in the movie <laughs> where Dumbledore says it. And in this part, Harry comes ac- across this mirror and he sees he sees his mom and dad. Now, if you know about the book or have seen the movies, you know that his parents died at the beginning. They were killed by Voldemort. And he sees not only them, but eight or ten other family members in the mirror. And he's just like, what is happening? Like, how can I see all these people? And he runs and tells his friend, he runs and tells his friend Ron, 
And the next day, they go back. And Ron, he's like, buddy, you know, he had a chance to look in the mirror. He's like, Harry, I don't see, I don't see your family. He, Ron, sees himself. And he's alone. And he's a head boy. And he's wearing the badge, um, like one of his brothers. And he's holding the house cup and the Quidditch cup. And he's the Quidditch captain. So Ron sees something completely different. Then the next night, Harry goes back again. <clears throat> he's out and about in his, you know, cloak, invisibility cloak. And then he's sitting in front of the mirror. This is the third night. Hmm. I'm going to read from the passage here from the book. The third night he found his way more quickly than before. He was walking so fast he knew he was making more noise than was wise, but he didn't meet anyone. And there were his mother and father smiling at him again, and one of his grandfathers nodding happily. Harry sank down to sit on the floor in front of the mirror. There was nothing to stop him from staying here all night with his family. Nothing at all. Except. So, back again, Harry? Harry felt as though his insides had turned to ice. He looked behind him. Sitting on one of the desks by the wall was none other than Albus Dumbledore. Harry must have walked straight past him, so desperate to get to the mirror he hadn't noticed him. I, I, I didn't see you, sir. Strange how nearsighted being invisible can make you, said Dumbledore, and Harry was relieved to see that he was smiling. So, said Dumbledore, slipping off the desk to sit on the floor with Harry, you, like hundreds before you, have discovered the delights of the mirror of, of, of Erised. Oh, I didn't know it was called that, sir, but I expect you realize by now what it does. It, well... It shows me my family, and it showed your friend Ron himself as head boy. How did you know? I don't need a cloak to become invisible, said Dumbledore gently. Now can you think of what the mirror of Erised shows us all? Harry shook his head. Let me explain. The happiest man on earth would be able to use the mirror of Erised like a normal mirror. That is, he would look into it and see himself exactly as he is. Does that help? Harry thought. Then he said slowly, it shows us what we want, whatever we want. Yes and no, said Dumbledore quietly. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest, most desperate desire of our hearts. You, who have never known your family, see them standing around you. Ronald Weasley, who has always been overshadowed by his brothers, sees himself standing alone, the best of all of them. However, this mirror will give us neither knowledge or truth. Men have wasted away before it, entranced by what they have seen, or been driven mad, not knowing if what it shows is real or even possible. The mirror will be moved to a new home tomorrow, Harry, and I ask you, not to go looking for it again. And if you ever do run across it, you will now be prepared. It does not do it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember that. Now why don't you put that admirable cloak back 
back on and get off to bed. Harry stood up. Sir, Professor Dumbledore, can I ask you something? Obviously, you've just done so, Dumbledore smiled. You may ask me one more thing, however. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I? I see myself holding a pair of thick woolen socks. Harry stared. One can never have enough socks, said Dumbledore. Another Christmas has come and gone, and I didn't get a single pair. People insist on giving me books. It was only when he was back in bed that it struck Harry that Dumbledore might not have been quite truthful. But then, he thought, as he shoved Scabbers off his pillow, it had been quite a personal question. The mirror of Arised. I was thinking about that. Um, and you know what's strange? I actually wondered what I would see if I looked in the mirror. And I say it's strange because I'm like, wait, shouldn't I know my deepest heart's desires? <laughs> but I wonder what it would have reflected back. And it made me think about how, like, hey, maybe I need to, like, I mean, obviously Dumbledore says, you know, it's important to live and not dwell on your dreams. But our dreams and desires come from somewhere. And mirrors a reflection of who we are and where we are and what's happening in the world, right? It literally reflects light. That's what a mirror does. It reflects light. My niece once said, we never really see our true selves because remember, even light, the light from the stars takes a while for us to get here. I mean, that's light years. But you never see yourself in true time. I mean, it's so instantaneous. Obviously, you walk in front of a mirror. I, look, I can look in a mirror right now and see myself. But I see like an older version of myself, even if it's by like, I don't even know what the fraction of a second is. <laughs> but that's really interesting. But besides that, you know, he, Harry asked Dumbledore a very personal question. What would you see if you had the opportunity to see it, a mirror your deepest desires? And it's not only seeing that, right? I think the reason why Dumbledore was like, I'm taking this and putting this away, but if you do come across it, remember what it does. Because it's one thing to look at our dreams and our desires, but it's another thing to try to make them happen. If that's what's supposed to happen, if that's what our path is supposed to be. So, those are my thoughts. And then the last thing, magic. At some point, People thought these different things that are so commonplace to us, like magnets and mirrors. And I mean, gosh, the internet as something that seemed magical or like magic. And now they're so commonplace that we don't even think about it. How many times do we look at ourselves in the mirror? How often are we surrounded by magnets that are just or electromagnetic devices that are just working all the time to help us with our microwave or with our cars, you know, to make them work. They just exist and we don't even think about it. And I'm so curious, right, how life will change in the next hundred years where stuff that we didn't know how it worked and then we do and then it becomes like so commonplace that it's 
not even magic anymore, right? It's just how it is. And it made me think about is, and I've heard this before, and I can't remember if it was like through a Yanla or like Carolyn Meese. I can't remember if it was some reading I have. What if like the physical world is the last place? <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. What if the physical 3D world, once something manifests, it's like its last spot of coming to be I don't know if that makes any sense because if things are and exist even if they're just a thought form and then we make it happen physically like planes planes didn't exist before someone thought about hey let's try to figure out how we can get up in the air just like these animals that we see around us and help us move from one place to another what if like the physical form of something is its last spot that it's like thousands of years of either evolution or thinking of experimentation and then it comes to, to be? And how many of those things out there exist and are still yet to be? But they exist, but we just don't know it yet. <laughs> I don't know. Those are my random thoughts for today. Last thing. I have a little post-it note and it's from Change Me Prayers by Tosha Silver. It's in one of the books that I read, but if this is for you, this is for you. Um, on one of the pages, I don't have the page number, it says, if something is meant to be, out of no way, God finds a way. Tosha Silver, Change Me Prayers. If something is meant to be, out of no way, God finds a way. So people don't force things to happen. If it's supposed to be, it'll find its way to you. Or you'll find its way to it. As I've said before, I used to have this Tuesdays with Choco segment, my old dog, where I put like words of wisdom that I learned from from having this <clears throat> wonderful human human <laughs> wonderful dog soul in my life. He's the one I found outside a grocery store, and the grocery store was called Selectos. It's in, in Ibonito. And when I went to the island that June 2018, one of the first places we went was to Selectos. And there was that little chocolate lab that ended up being a part of my life for almost two years. So, God will always lead you to Selectos. Don't worry. Something is meant to be, it'll be and just be open to it. Because I had to say yes, right? I had to bring that dog home with me. I couldn't just leave him there. I had to be open to the experience. So God will always lead you to Selectos. And don't forget to say yes. <laughs> All right, people, accept your sparkle, surrender to it, and allow it to be so. Until then, keep shining! <laughs>